Did you know Glenn Hoddle was on The Masked Singer? What? Yeah, he sang. And he's a decent singer. What? Oh, good for him. He is. Does this mean he's the UK's Gronk? <laughs> Gronk Hoddle. I mean, he probably partied harder than Gronk ever did. Is that possible? I don't know. Yeah, I was just like, That's I just great. remember, uh, I think so it just funny. it was a recommended video on YouTube. It's like... <laughs> I don't know. The hot dog is revealed. <laughs> it's Glenn Hoddle <laughs> singing as a hot dog. I'm like, this is the best thing I've ever seen on television. Hoddle is like, clo- not close to hot dog, but I think you see, you see what's going on. We had our soccer club, like where you play soccer for like house league soccer on the weekends. Oh yeah. And it, it was just, it was literally like just a league where old Italian men would drop off their kids they would play soccer for a couple hours in the morning on Saturdays, but the clubhouse had a metric fuck ton of TVs and a bar, and they would just play Serie A all day. Amazing. Oh, that's sick. So, like, you would just be sitting there and be like, where's my dad? <laughs> drunk inside. Roma are playing. Everyone's watching Francesco Totti play. That's so funny. That's why I always reference Francesco Totti. That's the only, that's like one of the few football inspirations is just from drunk Welland fathers <laughs> watching football instead of their kids. Man, that's where, that's where my dad's from, actually. Francesco oh, that's Totti? When, he's from, uh, no, he's from, well, when he emigrated from Italy, they moved to Welland. So that's where he like kind of grew up before moving to Montreal. I mean, you and I know, my I dad know. and Paul Bissonnette. Oh, that is nasty. <laughs> and NBA champion from the 70s, Mikey the Milkman Smrek. <laughs> really? What a, what a great name. Yeah. yeah they That's called great. him the Milkman because he could do it with two hands. <laughs> oh, like so he was like getting the cow milk. He wasn't like delivering the milk. No, he was playing right? basketball, Adrian. <laughs> oh, well, why'd they call him the milkman then? Yeah, yeah. What do what with two hands? Yeah, yeah. You could I could pour milk. You with could both lay hands. up the ball with two hands. Fine. <laughs> What's a cow got a ball for? <laughs> There's no rule that says a cow can't play basketball. <laughs> Open wide for some soccer. It's like great, thanks for the uh previews. I mean, I don't know, I don't watch, but you get the zone. So we don't even get a pregame show. What's a pregame show? What's a halftime show? I don't know. Well, that's how I felt after the uh after the Chelsea Newcastle, because like obviously, like I can't really complain. People talk about Chelsea plenty. Um, but out of a 45-minute segment, they spoke yeah. maybe five minutes, if you're lucky, about Newcastle. And it's just like, I don't know, I'm not begging for them to 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 pet Newcastle, especially after a loss, but I'm just like, I mean, Chelsea were, were fine, like, fine. They weren't brilliant. <laughs> yeah, so so I don't know how you guys feel about that. Like, I, I, I look at myself, too, when I think about that, and I'm like, I feel like it's so much easier to talk about Man City, Liverpool, than it is to talk about Fulham, Everton. Welcome to Soccer Group Chat, Nick, Adrian, Hope with you. But I mean, yeah, it's. I feel like it's so much easier to talk about the big clubs. I just, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's they're they're more interesting. I uh, think there's just more like talking points. Like there's only yeah. so many ways you can say like Newcastle looked bad <laughs> before you you don't have anything to talk about. Seriously, it's true. And I mean, like, I feel like there's so many more. There's so many more recognizable players and so many more recognizable managers, right? Like, I feel like these these kind of mid-table clubs, do you guys think that they kind of purposely try and shy away from the spotlight in a way? Or are they just hamstrung? Like, a team like... Like, I always go back to Leicester hiring someone like Brendan Rodgers, who's kind of a lightning rod, someone with name recognition, right? Whereas there's clubs like Palace and Newcastle going with, like, Roy Hodgson and Steve Bruce. You know, Everton bringing in Ancelotti, right? Like, that kind of separates you from the you know there's like the upper echelon the top six whatever and then there's like the next kind of tier which is like two or three clubs right and and to kind of get in that next tier i feel like you need to bring in someone like that who kind of commands the worldwide respect i feel like that's a little bit of saying like why are all the have you ever noticed that all the wealthy people have a lot of money (laughs) like you know what i mean like like i feel like you know lester won the title then they got rogers yeah Everton, they, they have a billionaire owner. True. They're they're a pretty like consistent club. Like 
and then they got Ancelotti. So yeah, they are, they are kind of pushing to that higher level, but they are anyway. Right. Um, like they're just looking for another piece mm-hmm. to, to go with that. Yeah. Maybe. It's like for, for you guys, like, uh, like, like all respect to like Roy Hodgson, but like Ancelotti is an exciting hire, right? Yeah. Like Ancelotti has, has a resume that's impressive when you add it to a team, even Benitez, when he went to Newcastle, like that was just like, shit, Benitez, they're going down yeah. already. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> like it, it's, it's just an interesting talk about. It. So like, I, I don't think it's, you're, you're, it's a hundred percent there because certain coaches bring a resume that excite you. Right. 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 Um, but yeah, like when you talk about like Brendan Rogers, I just remember something like, um, so when Chelsea were, everyone knew they were going to sack Frank Lampard. It was just a matter of one. And you could, you could talk about the realistic situations, but I remember one article was trending for a while. It's like Brendan Rogers will drop Lester for his dream job at Chelsea mid season. I'm like, no, he absolutely will not. Like, why is this, <laughs> why is this even happening? West Ham's won four matches in a row. Yeah. <laughs> like, why is this what's trending? Yeah. That's funny. Like, why would, is there something I don't know about Brendan Rodgers? So Brendan Rodgers, possible. He was an assistant at Chelsea mm-hmm. in like I don't know what 2014, like a while ago, like a fair amount of time ago. Um, and like who knows? Maybe he knows Tammy Abraham from when he walked past him when he was 12. But like that's it. <laughs> I think no. I think I remember this now. He has. Does he have like an association with Mourinho? Did he kind of like study under Mourinho a little bit? Uh, yeah, you're probably oh. right. I honestly can't remember. Um, I, he used to be an assistant at Chelsea. There's plenty of photos of him on the touchline uh, and in the assistance booth, but like not enough of a connection for the absurd assumption that like he would yeah. he would leave a successful coaching job <laughs> at yeah. the moment for this falling club in the table. Yeah, Leicester is a great team to manage. I think like it's oh my god, I, I don't know what place they're in right now, but it's it's a solid top half of the table team. They've got good support. They've got good players. Like. You don't have the I don't constant know why pressure. Yeah, you don't have that think. constant pressure. Like you can they're a team that's always like maybe an outside shout for FA Cup or League Cup. Seems like a great spot for him. Yeah. Why would you yeah. go to a pressure cooker in Chelsea where you need to win a million things? I guess if you're that confident you're gonna win. Uh, but if you're happy somewhere, these because they're also just people doing jobs, right? Yeah. And if if Brendan Rogers likes living in and around Leicester. I don't know where he lives, but I will soon. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing I won't know about Brendan Rogers. Then then why would he leave? Yeah. How do you feel about Tuchel so far? He's been he's been good so far, undefeated. All those I mean, one nils and juicy two nils. <laughs> I mean like he's <sighs> Like I don't want to get too high about it because also this is a run of games that we should have won. We should be winning anyways. Like if Lampard were in this position, I don't know if we would have won these games, but the assumptions would be the same. You're supposed to beat these teams. Um, I don't. I don't want to get too high on Tuchel because like what has he done when he's come in? He's moved to a back three, so our center back pairing isn't so exposed. He's played Hudson Odoi in a more free position. And like Conte, Mendy, and uh, Havertz have been like on and off injured. So he's just kind of playing with the pieces he's got and, it, and it's working against against teams that the talent outweighs them anyways. Um, we'll see what happens right. when we play a team like Atletico Madrid. Mm. Oh, sorry. We yeah. even play Southampton over the weekend. Um, right. Damn, you're right. Oh, games are just popping up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All these people and they're all wearing red and white stripes. <laughs> Where'd they come from? Um but yeah, I mean, like uh, he, he's he's getting a lot out of pieces that were held out of the team by Lampard. I mean, four weeks ago, if you told me Kovacic, Jorginho, and Marcos Alonso were starting the game, I'd be like, "Oh, we're fucked. <laughs> <laughs> we have no chance." But I mean, it, uh, probably a big part of it is just like the pressure. It's when a manager gets fired. It's not like the players don't feel that pressure. The manager is always the first one to go. Yeah, And then when the new manager comes in, you're auditioning all over again. So like, yeah, are Kovacic and Jorginho really stepping up their defensive responsibilities right now? Yeah, they're barely moving past the halfway line at times. <laughs> they fucking better. Like they were, they've been, they've been dreadful in, in matches under Lampard that they better feel that pressure and have to perform against, uh, against teams when this manager is 
probably like honestly playing them to see what they've got. You think mm-hmm. Conte's on the bench because Conte doesn't have it? No, we're <laughs> we've played five straight games against teams that are below us. <laughs> like yeah, we gotta see if these guys guy. can pack it. Yeah, I. So my impression from the Newcastle game in in like my detached Zen. I know what's going to happen <laughs> state of watching the game. I liked, I like Chelsea's shape. Like again, they're playing Newcastle and, and Newcastle playing a narrow formation in the midfield. But I really liked that. Like it was Hudson O'Doy had it on the wing. And then Marcus Alonso was just hanging out at the corner of the 18 yard box, really quick movement, like horizontally across the pitch. And they just kind of had Newcastle penned back. That's partly just not good defending from Newcastle. But, I mean, my read on the game was basically like, I feel like this is watching Chelsea in a Europa League qualifier against the champions of Moldova or something (laughs) like that. Like, you know Chelsea's going to win. Like, they're expected to win. But the degree to which they just thoroughly outclassed Newcastle, like, it was just Newcastle weren't very good and Chelsea, like, were better than them in every position, in every... Like, it was just... It's not like the team was better. It's just like everything was better. And, but and, T- and Timo Werner finally scored. Yeah. I think I, I mean, so in our predictions, I'm pretty sure I called it. Uh, we get a Timo Werner goal yeah. uh, against Newcastle. I don't know if we get extra points for that. I feel like I should, but who knows? Um, but when you were talking about uh, like the team's shape, I remember, I think it was last year when Lampard played uh, Mourinho. Or maybe it was someone else, but Mourinho decided to comment on it. And we played with a back three again, which wasn't really Lampard's thing at the time. And L- Mourinho blasted him like, oh, Lampard, <laughs> Lampard, that was a great match by Chelsea and Lampard. He won using Antonio Conte's formation, not Lampard's formation, but he took the win. I'm just like, that's what we're doing right now. <laughs> like, <laughs> what, is, what a like, stupid thing to criticize someone. I know. It's just like a change in formation. Like, yeah. I don't think a change in formation is what solved our issues because obviously it was a bit mental uh, and, you know, it, but yeah, we're just playing players in positions that they've been successful in, in the past, Marco Alonso as a wing back taking up the interior for a winger. Yeah. That sounds familiar. Like it just used to be Eden Azar. Now it's Timo Werner. Right. Yeah, As like, oh, right. three at the back. We have Cesar Spilicueta cleaning up people's mistakes at the back, cleaning up <laughs> David Luiz and Gary Cahill's mistake. Now it's just Rudiger and Christensen. There's no <laughs> real difference. It's just Chelsea are playing a safe game right now. Um, but luckily, they're playing a safe game with world class players, or at least players that have proven to be world class um, against teams that they should be beating, anyways. Uh, no, not to disrespect Newcastle, but it's just like the talent's there. They just, they just lost their form. Yeah, well, speaking of disrespecting Newcastle, uh, Nick, you started this conversation. You were saying it's so easy to talk about the big teams. So let's just flip the perspective and and talk about the game shortly because there's, I don't know how much there is to say, like from the Newcastle perspective. I, like an idiot, saw the formation that we went with, which was a back four and then uh, a midfield three and then a center attacking mid behind uh, two forwards and then in the game it looked like a a sort of a 4-3-3 almost when they were pressing and yeah like an idiot I was excited I was like oh cool like this is this is the formation you know that Graham Jones is supposed to have brought in it it did really well and like who knows maybe we can like do something here and then Newcastle just it looks like everyone's just kind of playing afraid like no what the team like kind of kept its shape and like you know moved across with Chelsea but no one really attacked or like like impressed themselves on the game and i think about like how early chelsea had a shot it was like within 2 minutes i think the first shot was at marcus alonso that was yeah alonso cut middle just took it on the half volley yep yeah and then darlo made a pretty good save like he he caught it right which i thought was good he should have saved it but it, he did well to have it under control i thought and i just I was thinking about this episode today and I was thinking, why didn't Darlo just yell at everyone or something? <laughs> like, why didn't he say like, we're in a game. You see what just happened? Yeah. I don't know. Like, like focus, focus. Yeah. Boys. Like focus boys. Last. It just seems like that was an opportunity to, to galvanize the team or to say like, this is where we are. This is what we're in. Let's focus and do this. They just sort of like sleepwalk to halftime, yeah. let Chelsea 
do whatever they want. And then I think there's a reason why they it's called a famous victory when a smaller club like Newcastle goes to a bigger club like Chelsea and, and wins. It's because the golf in class and the golf in talent, and the golf in, in focus is the chasm is so wide. Right. And it's, it's, it's I feel like it takes something really special you know, for, and I, I ranted like a, a few episodes ago about Palace not doing anything to pressure City in the game that they got dismantled. And then the next game they, they won, I think, I forget who they beat, but I think they beat Southampton or something 2-0. And it was like the middle tier clubs just go to those big teams and say like, you know, like, let's take what we can get, right? Like, let's play for a draw. Do you go at it and hope? And, and or do you kind of take the points where you can get them? and and bank those it's kind of a weird philosophy that i guess we'll so never the, know of the thing is that's not what newcastle did like you look at their formation they're playing two strikers the right. the offensive shape because almiron's kind of coming deep from the center and and say maximum who's playing you know nominally as a striker and, and gale were playing a split forwards it looked like a 4-3-3 a lot of the time yeah. in my and head I think, kind of they almost look like they were playing a diamond at times yeah, it's like it's like kind of a diamond shape, and at times when I guess sort of like higher defensive line, it also looked like a four three three. But yeah, it's it's a diamond. It's not really a defensive formation, especially when you consider how often this club has played with five at the back. Right. And the thing is, is I think you can play that way super defensively, and and still play for a win. It's just you got to acknowledge your tools. Like I think Rafa Benitez when he set up against Man City thought, you know, we'll be happy with a point, but if we're, if we're lucky and we're smart and we're good and we do our jobs, we could get a win. Yeah. And there have been games like that where they've on the break, they've almost taken a chance and gotten a goal really surprised the other team. So yeah, you can be brave and like have a good day and, and really go at them and surprise them and catch them off, off guard, or you could be strategic. And I don't think there's anything wrong with either of those approaches, but I don't know which one Newcastle was doing. <laughs> so in that game against Chelsea, it's it seemed like well we're probably going to lose, so let's let's go out there for ninety plus minutes, and that seemed about it. <laughs> like let's play the game. That's it. Yeah. It so. was weird. It was like yeah. So when I was watching Newcastle play, I'm like, there was like weird half. The thing that sticks out to me is like uh, the the goal off the set piece that mm. Werner got the Werner's goal that he got off the set piece. Chelsea wants set pieces. That's where we've been successful this season. Not so much in open play, but having set pieces, we just have our big center backs going through. And I remember watching him like this. I, I love watching the Chelsea set pieces just because I'm like, well, there's an opportunity here. And I'm watching Newcastle line up to defend the set piece. <laughs> and I'm just like, like usually <laughs> I'm not a soccer expert, <laughs> but usually you line up <laughs> your players on the line in front of the goalkeeper and mark your man there. And I'm looking, I'm like, where, where are your players? Like, where are the defenders? They had, they had maybe, I think it was Hudson Adoy who was faking receiving the pass short, but he was standing so far away from the corner flag. He's not going to have the ball. And they had like Almiron or St. Maximin just manning nobody. And I'm just like, we're going to get a goal here. Yeah. (laughs) Because I just, and then they have, oh no, sorry, say Maximan was being held forward against the Chelsea two mm. uh, that were being left at the back. I'm like, why is he even there? If like, you know, I'm like, I saw that lineup that, that occur on the set piece. I was like, we're going to get a goal here. And mm. obviously it helps that Jamal Lewis just fell asleep. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah, sure. There's a deflection went off someone's hip, but like Jamal Lewis just felt Werner on his back and then let mm. him go. So I don't know. I, I don't think teams, I don't, I don't really believe that teams go into matches and they're like, we're going to play this way. We're going to be lucky to get a point. Like they're players, they're competitive. They want to win. But I don't know. Does it, maybe it's mindset and that they, they beat, they were beaten before the match even started. I don't know. I I think that's partly it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And looking, yeah. And looking at the team, something else I kind of, my impression that I got Mm -hmm. from the game was seeing Joe Willock, Sounded so weird when I said his name. Willock. You said Willock. it. You said, said it like you were saying Joe Linton, but you said like Joe Willock. Yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> I understand it was hard to confuse the two. Oh, God. Joe Linton also came on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whatever. 
he he almost did something this game and I was watching it. He did something. I, I think he won the ball back and, and was starting to move forward. And then he just lost the ball. And I was like, oh. you came close. <laughs> you came close, buddy. Tried. Oh, I don't want to. Sorry, I don't want to cut you off. Well, I'm mm-hmm. going to cut you off. But I just want to say just because you made a little thing about Lin- Joe Linton. Joe Willock. No, <laughs> Joe Linton. <laughs> Damn it. Um, there, we rag on. We rag on John Joe Shelby all the time when we're just yeah. like, oh, he just fucking sits in midfield and it does slows down the play. There, there are a couple moments in that game, like, man, Mason Mount should press John Joe Shelby in every game because John Joe Shelby makes fast decisions when Mason Mount's <laughs> pressing him. Yeah, they should just make that a shorthand. I read this article where Frank Lampard Sr. used to always just shout out pictures, pictures to like Frank Lampard so he'd keep his head up when he was a little kid. <laughs> You just gotta like yell at. Yeah, I want to hear next game like mount, mount, Mason, mount. Yeah, <laughs> right. yeah, there's so a John Jones he close in, and I was just like, "Oh, damn, that's a good pass." <laughs> he saw that. Where has been? Where's this been? I don't know. Like that. Yeah, there's sometimes moments where you see Shelby, and you're like, "Oh yeah, there he is. There's a player." But but going back to what I was saying about uh, Will Lock, he like Willick seems to have the kind of mentality you would expect from like a top six player, like someone who I was going to say from Arsenal and like, I mean, the kind of player who should be playing at Arsenal, you know what I mean? Right. Like, like the culture. Yeah. 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 Like when he's in the box, I was just thinking about it. Like Almiron, I, I really love like Almiron and he's got a really rough time at the club because he's had really poor form and I've been on both sides, but I really like him. He tries hard but he doesn't seem to have the same sharpness in the box that like Willock would have. He just seems a little bit like he knows what he wants to do in the positions he wants to get in and what he can do when he's there. Like the way he, his goal against Southampton and he was coming in for like a low cross. You can tell that he sees the opportunity for that and he's raring to get at it. Like he wants that to happen. It was Willock who beat, I think, Antonio Rudiger on the cross and mm. put in the header on Kepa that forced a pretty tough save out of Kepa. He wants to be threatening. I, like, I don't know if he's threatening all the time, but he wants to be threatening. You're right, yeah. He's, he's got that drive in that like sense of purpose and, and instinct. Something else we wanted to talk about, speaking of oh, yeah. the, the golf in class between teams, uh, it was the Club World Cup recently, and I think it was Bayern Munich, obviously, beating UNAL Tigers. Tigres, sorry, (laughs) apologies. It's kind of absurd that there's a tournament where you would 100% expect an enormous golfing class. Like a favorite of that degree is the norm in that tournament. Uh, So so what are your guys' general impressions about the Club World Cup? I wish. So I I love everything you guys said about Chelsea Newcastle. but I don't think that the golfing class is even close to golf that is Tigres and, and Bayern. <laughs> but I do wish it makes me whenever I hear about the Club World Cup, whenever I get a chance to watch it or see highlights, it always just makes me kind of want a full version of it. You know, I know that that team quality in different countries, and different leagues is, is vastly different. You know, when you compare Europe and North America and South America and Asia, it's all different. It's all but it would just be interesting to see, have a full, you know, 32 team groups of four tournament that took place over the course of a month in the summer. It's logistically speaking, it would be impossible, but it'd be exciting. This four day, four team weird thing in some country that I never know where it is or when it's on or where it's on, whatever. It's difficult to pull off and it's difficult to get fans interested. But if it was a full tournament, like the actual world cup, that would be exciting. I think. So I have, I have stayed up to watch a club world cup once before because Chelsea were in the club world cup. And I'm going to be completely honest. I don't know who we lost to in the final. We lost by the way. Um, I think it was a Brazilian team. Was it Corinthians? It was Corinthians. You're definitely right. Um, but yeah, like you're right. The, the golfing quality is weird. I think what's fun about it is that it's like, you know, when you play FIFA and you've played, I've played Adrian Chelsea, Newcastle. 12 times in a row already. <laughs> and we're like, different clubs, different clubs. And we don't want to pick another English club. No, we don't want to pick Bayern. Like, we're playing Orlando Pirates versus Palmeiras. <laughs> and like, that's what's fun about the Club World Cup. But like, it is a pointless endeavor. How much money could they humanly make off of exactly. the Club World Cup? Um, 
it was in Qatar. I have to imagine there was some kind of prince who who wanted to meet <laughs> Robert Lewandowski. <laughs> it sounds like we're gonna have it in Qatar. Um, but it's, yeah. a, but it, it, it's a waste of time for a fans. And it's concerning it if you're like, say you're Liverpool mm. and you have to go to the Club World Cup. Didn't they have to do that last year, actually? Yeah, they, yeah, they played, played two games in one day. Yeah, and it's just like, that's absolute nonsense. In in Mauricio Sarri's last year at Chelsea, Ruben Loftus-Cheek tore his Achilles playing a friendly in the United States in the middle of the season. And it, like these matches make no sense for these teams why are they even yeah. doing it and that's just you know it's just corporate obligation exactly yeah and that's obviously why it's impossible to have like a full club world cup but i'd i'd push back on you nick like i think even if it was a full tournament it, it would be cool the first couple times i think it would lose its appeal pretty quickly because it would turn yeah. into the champions league yeah 100%. because unless there's a big upset it's it's yeah. going to be champion of england champion of Spain, champion of Italy, champion of France, champion of Germany. That's all it's going to be. And th- this used to be something like the Club World Cup, that branding has only been around since 2000. And I think there there was like four years where it didn't exist. It was between 2000 and, and 2004. It went 2000 and then 2005. Right. <laughs> so there's really only been like 15 or 16 under that branding. And before that, it was the Intercontinental Cup. And if you compare like the list of winners of the Club World Cup, there's two Brazilian teams. And then if you look on like starting in like 1960s to 2000, because they had one year where they overlapped, the Intercontinental Cup, lots of different teams won, South American and European, but yeah, like an Uruguayan team won in the 60s, like a Paraguayan team won, Red Star Belgrade won when they won the... Uh, the Euros. I don't think that would ever come back because now it's just about like the gulf and in like economic power of these, these clubs. But I think it's just one more thing to kind of be a little sad about that way. And also it kind of, yeah, I don't know. It's about like the loss of like place and like importance of like different countries in the footballing world. You know, now it's all just sort of like, growing into these like European silos of talent uh, where it just sucks in all the best players from around the world. Exactly. And I, I think I agree with what you said about that. The fact that it's a bit sad that if it was a full tournament, you know, you're hundred percent right. It would be, you know, the final four, like an actual world cup would most likely be, you know, champion of England, PSG champion of Italy, Juve and either Barcelona or Real Madrid or Atletico or whoever in Spain. Right. But it would be exciting to see just teams that you never get to see. Right. Like the teams that we'd see in our predictions. Right. You know, you'd have a group with Man City and the uh, Celtic and then, you know, LA Galaxy and the champion of the Bolivian League. Right. <laughs> that would just be cool. It, it would be impossible. And it would be like pressing square repeatedly to find your random team in FIFA. Uh, it would be like that. So it'd be exciting, but it is sad with what you're saying, how all the talent and all the money is kind of concentrated, you know, the European leagues and China. Not only, not only is there a clear disparity in talent and money between clubs, but not only do fans understand that clubs now understand that as well. And mm-hmm. I think that's the biggest issue. Like, like Korea, like they're going to this for, for the little bit of advertising money that they can get from it. There's only a few countries where that are actually soccer mad enough that they maybe not like take it seriously, but like it's it's a feather in their cap for them to win. Like like Mexico is soccer mad and Tigres is a is a really strong team. And while Bayern Munich looked down on Tigres, Tigres want to take them down. They're serious mm-hmm. about it. You know what I exactly. mean? Because that's their only chance. Tigres mm-hmm. don't get to play. Mexico, when's the last time Mexico played Germany? It, it's it's totally different. Um, so in that regard, I think, I think it's fun. Um, but I mean, <laughs> is it even distributed in North America? I don't even know. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? It's, it's, I it, it is, is absolutely yeah. not for us, even though like the idea behind it, I think is great. Um, mm, I just yeah. think we're beyond that point in football, in football history where it's ever going to really, yeah. and, and we're unlock anything. And we're so saturated too. Like we're oversaturated with good soccer matches to watch. Like we were talking about the games piling up, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like we we have Champions League today on Tuesday. We have Champions League tomorrow. There's games on the weekend. There's FA Cup. There's all these 
amazing games, right? And then it's it's you know you're how, how is someone how are we gonna you know take the time to then absorb a T Grace versus Bayern match in Qatar on a random Monday in February, right? Like it's it's just kind of an extra thing. And I think if it was kind of every four years, uh, like an actual World Cup, uh, then that might be fun. But again, it's like it's just at at a certain point, it's like it's just kind of a lot, right? It's so much. I can't even imagine playing in all of those tournaments and in all of those competitions and all of those games. There goes my background. Even watching it and following it is a lot, right? Mm-hmm. Imagine the players, how the players feel having to do all this. Well, maybe when there's a European Super League in 20 <laughs> years and Ronaldo's five years. <laughs> like Spartan-esque trained soccer children <laughs> will dominate the globe. Fight uh, maybe maybe then the rest of the the smaller, reasonably sized clubs in the world can can have this world club championship and it actually mean a little bit more. Speaking of smaller clubs, did you guys watch Everton Fulham? I just wanted to uh, bring this up because it's a great story and it kind of ties into our podcast. And here's the clip from last episode. I was interested to see, I think his name is Maya or maybe Maha. I don't know. Oh, Josh Maja. Maja. Oh, okay. From, Jeez. from Sunderland. From yeah. Sunderland. So he went yeah. from Sunderland to Bordeaux. Yeah. And now he's at Fulham. He was in so the, just, the Sunderland till I die. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm interested. I remember my dad, who's a Sunderland fan was really like, why would you go to, why would you go to France? <laughs> and I, I was like, well, he doesn't want to be in League One. That is Adrian saying that his favorite transfer of the transfer window was Josh Maja, formerly of Sunderland to Fulham. And uh, Josh Maja comes up with a big performance in his first Premier League game, scoring two goals to beat Everton. So I was just wondering if you guys uh, caught that game and what you thought about our boy Josh Maja playing a major part in that big win for Fulham. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. That's uh, that's worse than the Dog Andre <laughs> Yedlin pun that you cut. You counted down what? for that? Hey, if I cut it, <laughs> it doesn't exist, all right? <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Um, yeah. So one, I think Fulham are seven points behind Newcastle. and It's, it's looking more and more possible that they, they get caught out. But yeah, that was good to see. Uh, I talked to my dad about it, who's a Sunderland fan. And he was saying we'd be in the championship right now if he didn't leave, <laughs> which is which is probably true. He had 15 Honestly. goals in 24 yeah. league games yeah. uh, before he left to Bordeaux. Yeah. So that's a really good return. And it's kind of interesting because you know, do you want to play in France, which is a better, more technical league, or you can be the main man for a championship team? I don't know. Something to think yeah. about. But yeah, it was really, he scored two like good goals. Yeah. They were both kind of tappins, but <laughs> he had a lot of awareness to like be in that space and, and good movement. And his second goal in particular, it was a, a rebound, I think off the post and it came out to him and his goal actually reminded me a bit of, um, Giroud's goal against Newcastle in the sense that it was a bouncing ball and just took a second to like set himself and then cleanly strike it in. And it wasn't as hard a chance as Giroud, but it was just a really nice, clean strike. It's really satisfying to see just like, ah, oh, technique. Mm, nice. <laughs> uh, yeah. Major's, so, a, Major's a striker. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, and the great, the great thing about his, his first goal was it was I love the interplay between him and Ola Aina, formerly of Chelsea, and Adam Ola Lookman. And it was just kind of like a it, it was just it was a really nice well worked goal. Um and just with three, you know, three young players uh who were all on big clubs and all kind of well, maybe not major, but uh depending on how you feel about Sunderland. But it just it was just a very nice, well worked uh piece of football and you know, after watching Sunderland till I die and kind of seeing how that whole saga unfolded for him and, and how he was kind of forced his way out and Sunderland got $1.87 million for him or pounds, whatever it was. And like for a guy like that, it's not that much money. And they basically had, he had to leave because of financial reasons, right. And for him to come back and do that in his first Premier League game, it was just really kind of, it was just, it's just a fun story of, you know, uh, a guy coming from the depths the barren depths 
uh, to to score in the Premier League and, and inch Fulham closer to potential survival. Imagine where Sunderland would be if Jack Rodwell would just give up his salary and they would have been able to keep Josh Maja. That bastard ruined everything for Sunderland. It yeah. was only Seriously. Jack Rodwell's fault. <laughs> It is not just Jack, Rod- Jack Rodwell's fault. <laughs> I don't. Lovely. I haven't followed Josh Major. Literally, all I know about him is from the Sunderland Till I Die documentary. Yeah, and and what I've seen of him there, and when they interview him about transfer requests and his future with Sunderland, he's very cheeky. He knows that he's leaving. He's literally yeah. laughing at the camera <laughs> because he can't believe that Sunderland are in such dire straits that they're broadcasting their failures on, on Netflix. And and you know. 1.86 million pounds is, is is not much money for a player that is now a Premier League player, you could say. Yeah. Um, but, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. Would he be the player that he is at Fulham right now if he didn't go to Bordeaux? Right? Like, we don't know. That's hard to no, say. Also, I mean, he's played he's played two games. Exactly. He scored two goals, <laughs> but he's played two games. So let's not get too ahead of ourselves. But he's got to feel good because Fulham was one of his, like, youth teams yeah. that he played for. Uh, there's another youth team he played for in London. Nick, do you know what it was? Man City youth. It was he used to play Man City a little bit, even though he's contracted That's not London, at Fulham. Though. But he did play at Crystal Palace as well. Oh, so we all missed out on him. And yeah. it was kind of funny because it was kind of like seeing one of your like favorite characters from your TV show come back like four <laughs> seasons later after they like went off to do something and something else, you know, and then just bust through the door like, hey, oh my god, Josh Mage is back and he's scoring goals and it's great. Okay, uh, let's let's go for random predictions. It was uh, last week. It was our rivalries. It was all big rivalries from around the world, ones you probably weren't as familiar with. Just go straight out with this. Hope dominated. Hope set a new standard. So previously, the highest total anyone had got was eight, and he got ten. He got two perfect predictions, no. and he got four correct predictions. So he nailed the score for Union Magdalena and Real Cartagena and for Baitar Jerusalem and, and Maccabi, Maccabi Haifa. You're, also, your reasoning for the cats versus dog was spot on. He's like, <laughs> well, it's a promotional thing. It's just fluff. They're not going to make anyone lose. And it's going to be high scoring because it's got to be all action. And that's exactly right. The only difference was that it was 5-5. Uh, so impeccable i'd probably give you bonus points but now you score 10 points you don't need them uh which leaves us at conlin is still in the lead with 28 points he he scored only two last round me you and addy are all on 26 and nick is on 25 Ooh, it's tight at the top so it it is tight at the top addy is still the best predictor he's still really impressive uh let me just pull it up i think he's got he still predicts 43% 43% of results correctly. Whereas everyone else, the highest is uh, Nick. You have 38%. Can I just say though, that I am doing better than Liverpool. I am at least in a top four spot. I am in the hunt for the champions league. Uh, so that that's where, that's where I thought I would be at the beginning of the season. That's where the club's aspirations lie. So we're right on course. Uh, well, let's see if you can earn some more points this round. So the theme for this round to celebrate the return of the champions league I, I picked a bunch of teams that maybe you didn't know they were in the Champions League at one point or another, whether that's the current Champions League, which started in 1992, or probably the European Cup, which goes all the way back to the 50s. So at least one of the teams mentioned in all the fixtures have been in the European Cup, as I said, and I've put them <laughs> in little rounds, like the farthest they've been. So their biggest achievement in the in the Cup. So starting... We have a game in the Maltese Premier League. In 1992, Hamrun Spartans made it to the qualifying round. So this is our qualifying round. It's Hamrun Spartans versus Balzan. And Nick, let's hear from you first. See if you can get some more points on the board. Uh, I guess you could say the ball's in my court. So Balzan is winning 2-0. I mean, I could say that, but uh, anyway, hope I... <laughs> the balls and your court. <laughs> oh fuck you guys. <laughs> the, the dog is skateboarded up to your house. You gotta send oh, him God. back with the score for this game. 
I mean, oh. ham, ham runs Spartans, so they've gone from warrior to butcher. Butcher <laughs> delivery service. I, you have to give it to Balzan. One nil for me. Uh, I don't like the Spartans hate. I think Maltese teams, <laughs> I love their names, man. They're great. Red Imps? Uh, or is that start? Gibraltar? Wait, that's who? Gibraltar. The that's Red Gibraltar. Imps? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's Gibraltar. I'm, I missed up my, uh, my islands. My random weird islands. Gibraltar's, Gibraltar's not an island. <laughs> I messed up my geography completely. It's, it is famously a rock attached to the south of Spain. <laughs> See, okay, okay. It's Whenever... a peninsula that's basically rising out of the earth saying, look at uh, me, I'm the point. <laughs> See, I always, I knew it was the rock, but I always just assumed that it meant island. Like, it meant island, you know? That's like, I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed. <laughs> You know, on a side on a side note, Gibraltar is super cool. It's like all the beautiful weather of Spain, but they play fo- English football and rugby matches, and they speak English. <laughs> That'd Bunch be sweet. of drunk, oh, sunburned English people at an airport. <laughs> it's basically like doesn't a highway cut across their their landing strip or something? Uh, is that I've seen that? I've seen videos. Of I that, think I that think. might be Gibraltar. Maybe not. No, I Lincoln. flew out of Gibraltar and I didn't notice that. You didn't notice uh, like an 18 wheeler just crossing yeah, the road. No, but you can get dropped off at La Linea in Spain and literally walk across. Like there's just like a paved walkway. I don't even think there's a road. Oh, geez. Maybe uh, not anymore. Now they've probably got a, a dude with a, you know, a Brexit guy. I mean, the, the border security was a West Ham fan. So if that's representative <laughs> of anything. Jeez. Yeah, that's pretty tough. <laughs> uh, Let's let's move on though. Um, <laughs> let's move on to another country that's not an island, uh, Albania. So in 2019, Kukeski made it to the second round of qualifying games, uh, and this this uh, this Saturday they're taking on Partizani Tirana. And Nick, what do you think that's going to be? I mean, this one's easy in honor of our great friend, our great uh, occasional guest. Uh, Sari Adian, who is currently residing in Tirana, I am going with Partizan Tirana. Was that was that the name of the team? Partizani. I am going with Partizani Tirana, and they're going to take this one three one. Richard scoreline there. <laughs> Ope. In dishonor of our good friend Adian who is in Albania and still has about six boxes of comic books left in the closet upstairs at Cross Street. Kukeski is winning 2-1. Kukeski obviously has two Ks in its name. Partizani has zero, and it's going to be 2-0. So you you guys know the orders, so just jump in whenever you're ready. Um, We're going to go to Turkey. This is a game from 2011. It's in the group stage. It's actually the Turkish second division. How the Mighty Have Fallen. And Burzaspor was the team in that, in that group. They're playing. They're being hosted by the team with the hardest, second hardest to pronounce name. So I'm going to give it a go. Belikasirspor. Fuck. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't com- that's hard. Oh, yeah, wow. it's hard. It's, yeah. It's not as hard as the Hungarian name that's coming up, but that's okay. We'll get to that bridge and cross it when we can. Uh, so, um, so take this. It's it's yeah. Let's say Balak and Brzezpor. For no reason other than I try to avoid the hard to pronounce names, I'm going with Brzezpor. Two one. I think that's pretty good. Yeah, it's, it's better than me. Off of that alone, they're going to win 3-1. <laughs> That'll be enough for him. And uh, this this screams out draw to me. I mean, these teams both begin with B. So that's and a draw. same suffix. Yeah, spore is like a popular one in Turkey, I think. It must mean something. <laughs> Maybe it means like town or something. No, I think it means like club, like sport club. Oh, it could sport. be. Sport. I think, yeah. wait a minute. Got, there's... <laughs> wait a minute. I'm more skeptical now. It just says spore. <laughs> it's because you got like Bursa spore, Antalya spore, 
Sivaspor. Hmm. And those, or, those are all soccer teams. So yeah. <laughs> uh, let's go to Germany in Division Three. Again, these teams, Ooh. you know, in 1973, East Germany, their teams were pretty good. But Magdeburg has now fallen to the third division. They're taking on Verl. Their name is Verl. So <laughs> you stole my joke, which means you stole my reasoning, which means you stole my result. So I'm taking Magdeburg uh, to no. Um, ich bin einer Verliner. <laughs> so Verl is going to win. Uh, no, nah, they're going to draw 1-1. One, one. I'm going to say 2-1 Magdeburg. Uh, okay, Hungary in a quarterfinal in 1972. Oh, my God. Was Ujpest. That's the easy to pronounce one, relatively. Uh, they, they seem to actually, they had some success. Um, they never like won a Euro, European Cup, but they, they seem to be around. Um, they are playing... Magyar is such a hard language and like okay so say that if you want to support that team and if not you can just go with Ujpest. there it's it's like zed and that long name that i i butchered uh te so you can say te or Ujpest. wow i'm gonna give this one a crack i'm gonna give this one a go zalegerjagi how's that how's that are you is that I feel like we don't know if that's good or not. Yeah. It <laughs> I mean, sounds should... bad, but I don't know. We're going with Jaleger JG. Uh, and they're going to win 3 0. Wow. You, no, no confidence in, in one time quarterfinalist Ushpesht. <laughs> what year was that? 1972. Oh, yeah. There's got to be Go some on. institutional know how, though, that's weathered these 50 years. Maybe not. Yeah, I mean, okay. So I guess I'll, I'll I'll give it a shot. Well, Nick took a crack, and if you know Hungarians, you can always depend on them to take a crack at busting down the walls of Constantinople. Um, so Ujpest, because it's easier to say, is going to win one nil. What does that have to do with Constantinople? <laughs> I don't know. All I know about Hungary is that a Hungarian man helped develop the can the cannons that were used to help break down the walls of Constantinople. And there's a Hungarian girl in the 10th grade who sent me a postcard from the Hungaro spa in Budapest. That's pretty cool. Yeah, there you go. My, my favorite Hungarian soccer-related thing is Gabor Karali and his sweatpants. Yeah. So. <laughs> That is, yeah. uh, that is whenever I, I think of Hungary and whenever I think of soccer, that's what I, th- yeah, that's pretty legendary. Speaking of legendary second division Dundee once made it all the way to a semifinal in 1963. And this is not Dundee United. This is Dundee and they're taking on queen of the South. Is this Scottish second division? Yeah. We've seen queen of the South before. In this predictions? Yeah. Do you have, uh, what did I take? I don't know. It doesn't matter. I can't do any research. Neither can you. You know what? It's hard to, uh, it's hard to bet against the 1963 semifinalists. But in this case, I'm going to, and I'm going to take Queen of the South uh, 4-2. 4-2, high scoring. I won't bow to any Southern Queen, much like Jon Snow. I think Dundee are going to win 2-0 off the back of their dragons. I'm going to say it's a nil-nil. <laughs> I feel like there's less nil-nils in with no crowds. I'm probably just making that up, but I think so as well. I feel like I feel like I mean it's it's cherry picking but like games are pretty high scoring these days. Yeah, yeah. it yeah. it has been it's been weird. So to move to Greece in 1971, we had Panathinaikos make the final, losing the fi- final. I forget who they lose to. <laughs> but uh, they're going to try not to lose to. I just practiced this in my head. Pen- Penai- Penaitolikos. 
Panathinaikos versus Panatolikos. Mm-hmm. As the wisest of wisest men, Drake once said, fly me to Greece. Uh, fly me to Greece. Fly me to Hope's wall, uh, to the scarf hanging there. And that scarf says Panathinaikos on it. And that is the team that I'm going to take to lose 2 0. Full of <laughs> twists and turns. <laughs> that prediction. I think I confused he myself. He had my heart and he tore it away. Um, obviously, uh, I'm going to go with Panathinaikos. They all, their basketball club was already knocked out of the Euro Cup by, I think, Mega Baymax. Uh, so the soccer, the soccer team's got to make up the difference. Uh, Panathinaikos wins 3-0. Yeah, a bunch of basketball players. I mean, they're yeah, going to get some corners, some headers, you know? I mean, Sophocles Shortsanis is like six foot nine, 325 pounds. He might be retired now, but that's a hell of a target, man. There you go. Uh, I, I put it as 3-1 while Nick was talking. Uh, Nick Nick going through that journey gave me a lot of time to think. And I after my meditations, I thought, you know, Panathinaikos, they've got this, but they are going to concede. So talking about Europe, obviously a lot of English clubs have a rich tradition in Europe, a rich European legacy. So let's start with two of them. Wolves versus Leeds. In 1961, Wolves made it all the way to a quarterfinal till they were knocked out by Barcelona. And Leeds, as recently as 2001, were in a semifinal where they lost to Valencia. What's going to happen when these two teams meet in the Premier League this Friday? Um... I'm allowed to do research, am I not? Yeah. Please? You're even allowed to do it before the episode. I I <laughs> forgot to check. Oh, true. I mean, I don't tell you what I'm going to pick beforehand. I, I don't. I don't look. I don't look it up because I yeah, like I to don't. be surprised. Uh, so Leeds is coming off that drubbing by Arsenal, which may have been surprising to some. And Wolves is coming off a win against Southampton. So by that logic, I'm going to say that this is going to be a draw. I think it's going to be a good draw. I think it's two fun teams to watch. And we're going to say, we're going to say 1-1. Well, I'm going to say 1-1. I don't know about Hope. Yeah, no, every time I see a Leeds game, I feel like they score at least three goals. Like they love scoring goals. They just also love giving up goals as well. It's weird. Well, I mean, maybe not weird. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm going to give it to, yeah, Leeds are going to win 2-1 against the pride of Portugal. Uh, I'm going to go with Hope's theory of Leeds always scoring three goals. I'm going to say 3-2. Wolves have just been a little lighter on firepower after you know Jimenez's unfortunate uh, head injury. Uh, so, yeah, I'll give, it, I'll give the edge to Leeds. <laughs> that just felt guilty to say. I'm not blaming Jimenez, and it, it was unfortunate. <laughs> I feel God damn it, him and us. Yeah. You're letting down the side with your fractured skull. <laughs> um, terrible. So let's move to Friday, uh, from Friday to Saturday. We've got a Merseyside Derby coming up. Everton obviously made the quarterfinals in 1971. No shame in losing to that uh, Panathinaikos team that would later make it to the final. And Liverpool, of course, famously were runners-up in 85, 2007, and 2018. Pretty impressive. I'm surprised you're leaving out the fact that they, you know, won the whole tournament several times. But that's okay. I mean, you could mention the six wins, but why Why do that? <laughs> Nick Gill's uh, not here. There's no need. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, Everton's coming off a loss to Fulham. And Liverpool's coming off a big win against RB Leipzig in the Champions League. And I think that momentum is going to carry Liverpool. I think they're, you know, at some point they need to get over this whole tailspin that they've been in. And I think a Merseyside Derby Derby is just what the doctor ordered for them to get out of it. And I think Liverpool is going to thrash Everton. I think it's going to be big. I think it's going to be lopsided. I think it's going to be 3-1. Uh, give me the Reds in this one, 3-1. I think something's really been taking out, taken away from derby matches that there are no fans in the arena, in, in the stadiums and the arenas. 
and every time there's a there's a derby like it's it's a bum like it's it sucks it's a little bit boring um but liverpool need to win and everton's not as bad as they can look sometimes they're actually decent um one 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 didn't liverpool just get smashed by leicester yeah, they they made some big mistakes and and lost three one to Leicester. But oh, today, right. but today they just beat Leipzig. Hmm. So Off maybe the back they're of Upa Makano saying he does not want to spend his future at Leipzig, <laughs> <laughs> which galvanizes a team. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a little bit of the same mind. I think even without fans, like a Merseyside derby is going to be pretty hotly contested especially with like someone like Jordan Henderson, he's going to really fire up his teammates. And and then you have Trent obviously being a, uh, a scouse. He knows the uh, significance of it. I like your prediction of one, one though. Join me, join me at the top. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to take the plunge and go with hope a, eh? and see if I can get some of that 10 point magic that he was drumming up last uh, last week. Uh, lastly, let's give a little bit of love to the Europa League, where Burnley raced to a quarterfinal in 67, and they're going to be playing West Brom, who made it to the quarterfinal in 79. And uh, those teams lost to, just out of interest, Burnley lost to Frankfurt, and West Brom lost to Red Star Belgrade. Hmm. Who's going to be the star of this matchup, Nick? I think losing to Red Star Belgrade. Uh, is really going to affect the psyche of West Brom. I know that uh, in all my other predictions, I completely discounted the results of the past finals and, uh, and whatever round that these teams were in. Uh, but this one is different, I feel. Uh, and I think Burnley is going to come out on top in this game. Uh, actually, no, scratch that. This game is going to be a draw. This game is going to be horrendous. This game is either going to be horrendous or it's going to be amazing. There's no in-between. It's either going to be the most forgettable game of the season or it's going to be like, you know, there's going to be highlights on Twitter. There's going to be Reddit soccer. There's going to be gifts. But we're going to go with a, a horrendous nil-nil. An ugly nil-nil. Yes. Just bitter about Sean Dyche, your hated yes. nemesis. Yeah, my rival. Crushed Crystal Palace. <laughs> I, I am exceedingly bitter. <laughs> I'm surprised you're not giving it to West Brom. I can't. I mean, come I, on. I gotta, you know what? I would be, but I can't predict with my... You can't predict with rage, you know. You say that you that you there's there's you a can few absolutely things, predict with rage. There's a few yes, things you rage. should do. They say you should never grocery shop hungry. They say you should never go to sleep angry, and they say you should never make promises while you're happy. Uh, they also say experts have recently said that you should never predict while uh, full of rage. So I'm gonna go with that expert advice and go with my analytic, uh, logical mind and say it's no no. Nick, you're like, you're three things you shouldn't do. And like the cadence of how you said it, like sounded like the beginning of an R&B song, like put in some piano, <laughs> some saxophone. Hey, baby girl. <laughs> they say there's three things you shouldn't do. <laughs> didn't, you our, want a, didn't you want a new outro song, Nick? <laughs> I did. I did. The stay first tuned. one is stay tuned Miss for the Soccer Group Chat. <laughs> you got to listen to that app as soon as it drops. <laughs> we'll be in your ears, baby. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, anyways, uh, back to the top. Back to the okay, task at hand. Um, West Brom drew last game against United, right? Yeah, they didn't draw that game off the back of anything other than United just being having their weirdly shit games. Uh, but it is going to be ugly. 1-0 Burnley. Form, form, form. There you go again. Speak in my mind. I think Burnley is going to edge this as well because they have the confidence of a 3-0 win. I think they're just a little bit better than West Brom. West Brom are going to scrap it, though. That's that's what Allardyce brings. I'll say a 2-1. I think, I think Burnley also know that they're within a relegation battle. Like, they know that this is going on. So I think they're still really motivated for, for some results. 
So uh, I'll say Burnley edge at 2-1. Uh, that is this week of our random predictions. We'll see what the rest of everyone puts in and how that affects our table. Whew. Every <laughs> week, eh? <laughs> Let's close um, out with the R&B stylings of Nick Lasacco. <laughs> yeah. Nick, why don't you take us away and let us know where you can find this podcast. You can find Soccer Group Chat on Spotify on Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts, I think. We're also somewhere on YouTube and on TikTok. And of course, on Podbean. And as Hope said earlier, we hope to be in your ears again. That was great. (laughs) And I don't want this to sound like criticism, but that kind of went from like Shatner spoken word to Peter Mann's bridge. It kind of started a little. You just lost a bit of the the, the swagger on it. I, I was gonna say I was like I was just gonna say Peter Mansbridge on a <laughs> sex phone line. <laughs> I mean, he's retired. What else is he doing? Get him on the show. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>